Good morning, everyone. Welcome to First Baptist Church. It's so good to see your shining faces here today. It's a great day to praise the Lord. Amen? Amen. 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 Let's stand and praise him together.
all sound happy this morning. If you're happy, would you say amen? amen. If you're not, would you say oh me? I didn't, I don't know if I caught anything there or not. Hey, take just a minute, say hi to your neighbor, tell him, boy, you sure look good today. Thank you so much. You may be seated. We're so glad to have you in the house of God today. If you're watching by way of Facebook or YouTube, thank you so much for tuning in First Baptist Church Coronado. If you're here in person, thank you for being here. We just love the fact that you're in God's house with us today. We're going to worship the Lord. We're going to praise God. We're going to put him first in our lives. And I hope that if you came with some heavy burdens today, that you might leave having left those burdens with him. And that if you came, most of all, without being sure you're going to heaven one day, that today when you leave, you'll know for sure you're headed that way. Because the Bible tells you you can know, 1 John 5, 13. Don't have to guess. Don't have to wonder. Don't have to hope. You can know that you're saved. Your sins are forgiven. If you're a first-time guest here, a first time in a long time, like a good friend's uh, uh, foster family all the way from, where are you guys living now? In Pensacola, Florida. Great state of Florida. The only problem with that, the ocean's on the wrong side all the time, all the time. But great state otherwise. And uh, so if you're here for the first time or first time in a long time, or if you have a prayer request or or question of some kind, go ahead and fill out one of these cards, connection cards. That's how we keep in contact with you. Then you can give this to us, myself or my wife. You can give it to Gary. You can put it in the offering box to the left of the double doors. That's where our members put their tithes and offerings. And thank you, members, for being so faithful in doing that. I'm going to save the announcements for a little bit later because we do have a baptismal service at the end of the service again. I love it. Two weeks ago, we baptized. Last week, we had the Lord's Supper. Today, we're going to baptize again. We're not going to have the Lord's Supper next week, but we will the week after that. So uh, just uh, keep on keeping on for the Lord. Now, I, 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 don't, I may be the only one who finds this really humor. Well, no, Chuck liked this too. This is our bulletin article. How many are familiar with uh, church bulletins or church programs? They tell you when's gonna, what's going to happen when. How many of you have come from churches like that? You know, Okay, so here's the truth about it. In some churches, you've probably noticed that the so-called order of worship really serves as more of a vague set of suggestions. Here we present to you a more realistic order of worship in all its glory. 10 a.m., church service begins. 10.07, church service actually begins. Now, we don't do that here, do we? She starts. I say, if I'm not here, it's not your fault. It's mine. Just start. 10.08, assistant pastor repeats everything that was already written in the bulletin. 10.10, greets your neighbor. 10.12, expertly timed arrival of introverts. They wait till after the greeting's over with. You know who you are. You're coming in right now in the back, I see. 1013, opening song, Good, Good Father. 20 minutes later, 1033, Good, Good Father mercifully comes to a close. <laughs> I love the song. I'm not, I'm not. 1034, Hendersons finally show up. 10, do we have anybody named Hendersons? Uh, that would be how. 1035, worship leader announces next song is an original. 1040, congregation removes earplugs. <laughs> 1040, pastor leads prayer while praise band disappears into the ether. 
You ever notice that? When you have a word of prayer, just before the message, all of a sudden the praise team just evaporates. They don't know where they go. <laughs> 1041, pastor begins weekly brawl with lapel mic. 1043, untangled from lapel mic, pastor nails opening joke. 1044, Mrs. Allen begins unwrapping hard candy. Do we have, do we have anyone named Allen? <clears throat> 1045, sound guy finally remembers to flip the slide from good, good father. <laughs> Uh, we've got a great team. They, they, they're right on top of it. 1046, lapel mic crashes. Sound guy awkwardly speed walks to front with handheld mic. Sermon continues. 1050, Mrs. Allen finishes unwrapping hard candy. 1055, sermon wraps up with a closing prayer. Praise band rematerializes from the ether. 1056, we don't do this, but offering baskets pass to collect money from any Dave Ramsey disciples who still carry cash. That's an inside joke. You got to know. 1059, helicopter moms leave to retrieve kids from nursery. Huh? Yeah. 11 o'clock, closing song begins. Sound guy realizes backup singer never had her mic on, decides it was for the best. (laughs) 1105, introverts take flight. 1106, service ends. Funny, but not what happens at FBC. We try to keep things on time, try to respect your time. You know what? Sometimes people say, why are you so concerned about the time? Uh, Basically, if you have 100 people and you waste three minutes, you've just wasted 300 minutes. That's a a long time to waste. So we try to keep things open to the leading of the Holy Spirit, of course. But uh, so so glad that you're here this morning. Thank you for being here. And we're, so far, right on schedule. (laughs) Let's see. At this point in time, you need to be singing Good, Good Father. But we're not going to do that, right? Okay, let's all stand together and sing as we worship the Lord.
you bow your heads with me right now just for a moment? I want you to think. I want you to put everything out of your mind right now. Try to as much as possible put everything out except to center on and focus on. He who is holy, holy, holy. He who was and is and evermore shall be. The word says, I will adore you. Do we adore him? Do we love him? Tell him you love him. Oh, God, we do love you. Lord, you are the only way, the only truth, the only life. In this crazy world, everything's all mixed up and messed up, and you're still God, and you're still holy, and you're still the God who was and is and always shall be, and our, our future, our eternity is connected directly to who you are. So you promise we'll live forever with you if we have our faith and our confidence and our trust in your son and what he did for us on the cross, if we believe in him with our heart. So, Father, thank you for this privilege. Thank you for this praise team leading us, not putting on some kind of entertainment, but leading us in worship, spirit-filled worship. Thank you for that. God bless us as we look into your word today, we pray. We ask these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Thank you, and please be seated. And uh, I, I want to have you turn to John's Gospel, Chapter 1. God, John's Gospel, Chapter 1. But first, I'm going to have all the boys and girls and the girls and boys from First Baptist Church come on down to the front for just a minute. I want to talk to you about something that I hope you think about every once in a while. I hope you've thought about it and maybe are looking forward to it. Maybe not. I don't know, but I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. How many, how many of you don't mind me asking you questions? Is it okay if I ask you questions? You don't care? Okay. All right. How many have your thinking caps on? Put your thinking caps on. Take your thinking cap and put it on. Go ahead. So, so you know how to answer the question here. How many of you uh, know a little bit about heaven? Nah? Anybody know anything about heaven? What's something that's going to be in heaven? God's going to be there. Absolutely is. And, and angels are going to be there. God is going to be there. Angels are going to be there. And people are going to be there who love God. Now, let me, let me tell you something. Some people, like some of your family members, some of your friends, some of the kids you play with, maybe some of the kids you go to school with, if you want them to be in heaven, you got to talk to them about who Jesus really is. And you got to be willing to tell them that Jesus is the Son of God and that he loves us so much, he died on the cross for our sins, and that we can go to heaven one day. Now, they, people ought to be able to tell that you're a Christian by the way you live, but sometimes we have to use our words too, and sometimes we need to tell them how to get to heaven, and that's by trusting Jesus Christ as our Savior. So every one of you, every one of you girls and boys are a representative of Jesus Christ, and this week, this week, I want you to be thinking, I need to tell my neighbors, I need to tell my family, I need to tell my friends, I need to tell those kids that I play with about Jesus and who he is. Well, what if you do and they laugh at you? So what? They crucified Jesus. They're not going to crucify you. So let them laugh if they want to, but you, if you care about them, let them know that Jesus loves them. Let's pray, boys and girls.
Father, we thank you so much for the blessings that you've given to us, Lord. I thank you for every young lady, every young man who's here this morning. I pray that, God, they might always, always, always seek after you their entire lives. Lord, we thank you for loving us so much. We thank you for blessing us. We thank you for giving your son to die on the cross for our sins. We pray in Jesus' name. And all the kids said, amen. All right, go ahead and go to class today. And uh, our message today on the first disciples in our Life of Christ series, we began a few weeks ago a study. Actually, we talked about the birth of Christ, didn't we, uh, in December, uh, the, the time of his birth. And then uh, when we launched into this study, we went to the presentation of the temple. So uh, in, the, in the map up here, we have, uh, where'd it go? Nazareth, right there. So Mary and Joseph went from Nazareth to where? Do you know? Bethlehem, down here, about 100 miles. They went from Bethlehem, if I'm blocking you, I'm so sorry, they went from Bethlehem to the presentation of Christ at the temple, and then probably back to Bethlehem momentarily before they went down to Egypt. And then after Herod uh, was, ha- had passed away, the, they were told it was safe to go back, so they came back and they went up to Nazareth again. And then from Nazareth, uh, they also, at, when Jesus was 12 years of age, went back to Jerusalem, and there he reasoned with the Doctors, lawyers, teachers of the word of God, uh, and they were amazed at him, and he was there for three days doing that before his parents found him uh, and realized he was missing from their caravan. They took him back up to Nazareth, and then he goes from Nazareth uh, over to down here, the Jordan, where he got baptized by John the Baptist, not John the Universalist, John the Baptist, okay? (laughs) And so then we went from, uh, from, uh, Jer- from Jordan, wherever it is, I lost it, from right, right in here to the, the temptation in the wilderness right here. Uh, for 40 days and 40 nights, he was tempted of the devil. So now, today, we move into the study of the first disciples recorded in John chapter 1, verse 35. Now, I originally named this the call of the first disciples, but I changed it after I realized this was not their official calling yet. Their official calling comes later, and I'll point that out to you uh, in the Word of God when we come to that particular uh, lesson. But uh, this is, the, this is the, the, the following, the first disciples who, who began to follow him. In reconstructing the timeline of chronological events of the life of our Lord uh, and his time on earth, some of it's real obvious, some of it's easy to decipher, some of it becomes a little trickier, a little more difficult, uh, and has to be interpreted or interpolated. The Events happened, uh, hopefully we get the correct order. So if I'm off on something a little bit, my apologies. Uh, part of the reason is because you have, you have Matthew, Mark, and Luke that are specifically called the what? Synoptic Gospels. The Synoptic Gospels. And you have John. It's like Matthew, Mark, and Luke are closely aligned with each other in their narrative. John is different. Uh, and so we see the ministry of Jesus from their different points of view. Now, some people point to this difference and they say, well, see, the Bible has contradictions, but not at all. It it can confuse the order of events in our minds, but it helps if we realize this idea of synoptic gospels versus the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, And in order to do that, um, maybe you have a book at home called The Harmony of the Gospels, and you've wondered what that was. And it's, a, it's an amazing book uh, that lists in order, chronological order, everything that happens, giving the entire uh, gospel accounts 
And so they don't always, it's not always Matthew chapter 1 is Luke, Mark is like Mark chapter 1 is like Luke chapter 1 is John, like John chapter 1. In fact, it's not like that at all. So I give you all that background in, in, in consulting the harmony of the Gospels. I determined that the events of the first uh, chapter of John do not line up with Matthew, Luke, or Mark, either one. Uh, so that leading up to today's text we find that John's testimony of who he, John, was to the Sanhedrin preceded that. Uh, he made clear he was not the Messiah. But he then identified Jesus as the Messiah in John chapter 1, verse 29. In fact, he says there, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world, in verse 29. But what, we, what comes next in the life of Christ is this idea of disciples beginning to turn to him and to follow him. And the first point is the revelation. <clears throat> this took place after the temptation in the summer or the fall of 29 AD. And here it is in John chapter 1, verse 35. The following day, following what day? That's a good question to ask. Following the announcement that Jesus was the Messiah. He made that announcement on the, in the 29th verse. So the next day, John was again standing with two of his disciples. And as Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared evidently a second time, <clears throat> look, there is the Lamb of God, or behold, the Lamb of God. <clears throat> so the idea of behold, it means look to him. There he is. That's the Lamb of God. <clears throat> and, and the word for lamb here in John's gospel, and I, I did uh, uh, this whole study about the Lamb of God, and I got so immersed in it, and it went on for page after page in my notes. And I said, I'm just going to tell you there are two different words primarily used for Jesus as the Lamb of God. The first one is in the gospel of John, it's amnos, and that means a lamb for sacrifice primarily. The second one is Arnon, Arnos, and that is used for the Paschal lamb, which is the lamb of deliverance for the Jewish nation. And in fact, there's the Talmud, the lamb of daily sacrifices in the temple. Every single day, uh, lambs were offered as sacrifices. Thank, I, I'm, I don't mean to be disrespectful, but thank God we're not in the Old Testament days when every day we had to... Uh, sacrifice the lamb. Now, not everybody did. The, the temple people did, but there are other things they had to do. There's the scapegoat of Leviticus chapter 16. There's the gentle lamb of Jeremiah 11, 19. There's the guilt offering required. There's the lamb led to the slaughter of Isaiah 53. There's the Passover lamb we already referred to. There's the servant of Yahweh in Isaiah 53. There's the triumphant lamb of the apocalypse, and that's the Arnion, the Greek Arnion, uh, as the lamb of God. What a strange nomenclature for a triumphant king of kings and lord of lords, the lamb of God. But it's because he made that sacrifice. It's because he was killed and was buried and rose again after three days. He became the triumphant lamb of almighty God in the, in the apocalyptic literature. So the lamb of God is something of a double entendre. Uh, having meaning before John's gospel or during John's gospel and after the resurrection, which is connected with the revelation. So John says, behold, uh, and looking around upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, behold, the Lamb of God, John chapter 1, verse 36. He spoke, uh, as he spoke to two of his followers, John the Baptist was in effect telling them that they should, from that point forward, follow Jesus. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. On the previous day, uh, when John had first seen Jesus coming, he had also said, Behold the Lamb of God, take away the sin of the world. So uh, here, uh, long before uh, Isaac ever 
asked his father, where is our lamb? We're going to Mount Moriah. We're going to make a sacrifice. We have the wood. We have the fire. But where is our lamb? Abraham said, God will provide himself a lamb. God will provide himself a sacrifice. And there's the double meaning there, right? He will, he will be the one who provides our sacrifice. We don't need to worry about that. But he will provide himself as our sacrifice. So God did that. And then 2,000 years later, uh, the lamb was slain from the foundation of the world, came, and he came to the world to save sinners. Uh, so uh, it, it's another day. John is still faithfully preaching, still baptizing, still declaring the kingdom of God uh, and, and living for Christ. And ladies and gentlemen of First Baptist Church, living for Christ is a day-to-day thing that we ought to be involved in, not just a Sundayly thing. Not just once a week, but every day. Tomorrow, Monday, uh, people have these things about, oh, it's Monday. They post on the internet, oh, it's my, Peter, I need my coffee. I need two cups. It's, the, it's, it's Monday. You know what? Monday's another day to serve Almighty God. If you get up tomorrow morning, thank God he gave you the ability to get up. If you're going to a job, thank God you have a job. If you get paid to do that job, thank God you get paid to do that job. (laughs) If you start out with a mindset, tomorrow's my... People, you say, well, I I was going to come see you, but I figured on Monday that was your day off. I never took off on Mondays. Too many things things need to be taken care of. We just had church. There's stuff that has to be done. It's it's, right up here. Mondays can be a great day. I saw something this week that I've never seen before. I said... uh, Fridays are really ruined when you realize it's really only Thursday. <laughs> Talk about half, half empty. Uh, so, so, so here it is. Another day he's preaching. Another day he's baptizing. He's faithfully doing what God called him to do. And so God, uh, through John, reveals the symbolic identity of Jesus as the Lamb of God. And it's the Lamb of Elohim. Now, you remember in our study about the names of God, Elohim, Almighty God. Almighty God. But... Something else about Elohim, it was in the plural. When God made man, when God made Adam, he said, let us create man in our image. He wasn't talking to the angels. We were not created in the image of angels except for my wife, as I said the other day. She's in the image of angels. But trying to make up for that other thing, you know. But <laughs> uh, so Elohim was in plural. But when in the New Testament, when they, when they talk about Elohim and they use the, the word theos, they never use the plural of that because the, the Greeks of the day believed in a plurality of gods and it would have probably confused them even more so. So uh, it is the Lamb of Almighty God. Two of disciples, as a result of this pronouncement of that he's the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, two of them uh, turned to follow him after John had said, he must increase and I must decrease. John even said, I love this, this attitude of John, this humility that John had. He said, I am not worthy to undo his sandals. I'm not worthy to do the work of a doulos servant slave. I'm not worthy to do that because of who he is, his greatness. John was quite willing to stay in his lane, to put it in today's vernacular. And he pointed others to Jesus Christ. And I'm going to tell you something. What is your job in this world? Why are you still here? Some of you wonder, why am I here? What is my purpose? One of your purpose, if you don't have your purpose, you can't figure it out. One of them is to point people to Jesus Christ. 
You're here to glorify God. We're not here just to have a big party. We're not here to always be happy, 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 happy. We're not here to, to, to be successful in the way the world describes it. We're here to glorify God. That's the purpose. God gives us life. And so do we point people to Jesus Christ or do we drive them away? I hope we don't do that. A few weeks ago, I said, if you were, if you were hauled into a court of law and accused of being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to prove it? I watched a video of a church plant in Bar None, Wyoming. Bar None, uh, Wyoming, this week. And the church is growing because the people are being changed and they're bringing their family and friends to Christ. So the best advertising program a church can have. And by the way, it's okay to advertise. It's okay to let people know about your church. You call it advertising. We're letting people know about our church. Um, Terry does that in his daily oasis quite frequently. He talks about First Baptist Church. And so the best program a church can have is changed lives, attracting and inviting lives that need to be changed. Changed lives, inviting people that need to be changed. Now, if, you, if you're a Christian and you don't live like it, don't tell them you go to First Baptist Church. Tell them you go to the Catholic Church. I probably shouldn't have said that. Father John, if you're up there, sorry about that. Change lives, attracting and inviting lives that need to be changed. Uh, Ron was in, when, what years were you at Midway with us? 75. So I'd been there a couple of years, uh, and the church was just exploding. The church was just growing by leaps and bounds, incredible things. I, we went from, like I said, 50 or 60 people to uh, 1,000 people in four years' time. We were on the tail end of that Jesus people movement, all those hippies that were going to that church that I tried to change. They are the reason they, we had so many things happening because of the music and because of their testimony, because they accepted people, uh, long hair, whatever else, it didn't matter. Uh, long hair, no hair, it doesn't matter. Uh, so changed life. People got changed and they began to bring their family and friends. People would see a difference in their lives and they would want what their family or friends had. That's, that's a great thing. We see then the response of these followers, of these first followers, the, the rabbi, uh, in verse 38, Jesus looked and saw them, two of John's disciples following, so what do you want? What are you striving to find, in other words? He, he asked them that question. Then they replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And he said, come and see. And it was about 4 o'clock in the afternoon when they went to him to the place where he was with him to the place where he was staying, and they remained with him the rest of the day. So from about 4 p.m. onward, they stayed there. Uh, and Jesus then asked a loaded question, and it's deeper than just what do you want. It's deeper than just what is it you'd like to have. It, it's more like what is it that you really want in life? good question to ask ourselves. What is it that we really want in life? Is it something that's temporary, ephemeral, lasts a while, and then, like the praise team, evaporates? Is that what it is? Is that what we long for? Is that what we strive for? Is that what we work for? Is that what we want in life? Is just something that's going to pass away? I, I, want, I don't know about you. I want my life to count for eternity if it can. I want to do things that will produce fruit 
and results for eternity. And that's what Jesus said. What is it in life that you really want? And the response was, Rabbi now, which means great one or teacher. Uh, and later on, it would only be used as a title for those that were ordained. Teacher, we want to be with you wherever you are. That's basically their results. And so their, their answer, rather, their response. So at this point, these disciples of John attached themselves to Jesus, the teacher. In verse 40, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Now, here's interesting. Simon Peter's brother was one of these men who heard what John said and followed Jesus. So, so John's disciple, Andrew, was one of them. And the other one is not named here, probably or possibly, I should say, was the apostle John. Because John, in his writings, in his gospel, if you notice, hardly ever, if he ever does, referred to himself by his own name. He, he says things like the disciple whom Jesus loved disciple who leaned on his breast. He, he goes unnamed. He talks about racing Peter to the tomb and, and doesn't use his own name there. So, so Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, uh, was one of them who, who followed Jesus, uh, perhaps John the other, and he, and he frequently, uh, yeah, and, and he, to follow as a disciple, that's what he was talking about, to, not just to follow him around, to follow him as a disciple. So Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, the prophesied one, the one who's going to be the king of all kings. So Andrew becomes the first person to employ this best ever vehicle for personal evangelism, and that is personal testimony. Do you have a personal testimony? You've heard mine? I refer to it as my Baptist catechism. Baptists don't generally have something they call catechism. I don't know why. It's a perfectly good word. But it's, I, for one summer, once a week, got to sit down with four, five, six other kids my age, between the second and third grade, sit down with the preacher, and he taught us scriptures, and he taught us verses to memorize. He taught us doctrines. He taught us things that are important. And he wound up with telling us how to be saved and asking us if we wanted to receive Christ as our Lord and Savior, First Baptist Church, Chicago Heights, Illinois. It's a little bit of my testimony. Do you have one? If someone were to ask you, you know, what, what, what's your walk with the Lord? How did it all start? Do you have something to tell them? Do you have a story? If you don't, you ought to go home this afternoon and write down your testimony. You ought to write it out and practice it so that you can let people know so you can give that personal testimony to a family member who may otherwise die without Christ or to a, to a friend who may otherwise not ever know the Lord. Everyone in this chapter of the Gospel of John is introduced to Christ by a friend or a family member. Everyone. Can't overemphasize the importance of sharing Jesus with our family and friends. Have you tried to introduce your family, friends, or co-workers to Jesus Christ? Like I told the kids, have they laughed at you? You know what? That's far better than being nailed to a cross. If they laugh at you, so what? If they get mad at you, so what? Why not? Are you afraid to run them off? Where are you going to run them off to? There is no hell 2.0 or hell 3.0. There's just hell. And it's going to be emptied into the lake of fire. Do you love them? Do you want to see them in heaven? Is your testimony effective? Then share it with them. If it's an embarrassment, work on it. Fix it. 
Number three, the, the introductions continue. The callings will come later again. But in verse 42, then Andrew brought Simon. Look at the apostle Peter who became such an influential apostle next to perhaps, next to Paul, one of the greatest of all the apostles. Andrew, his brother, brought him to the Lord to meet Jesus. And looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, your name is Simon, son of John or Jonah, literally, and you will be called Cephas, which means Peter or a stone. And Jesus knew him intimately well, just like Jesus knows you and me intimately well. He knows exactly where we fit in the kingdom of God and in God's kingdom work. He will inform us as to uh, who he wants us to be, what he wants us to be. He will equip us for the job he calls us to do. Don't resist his work in your life. Give in to the work of God in your life. He had plans for Peter, and I got to tell you, it wasn't the popery. He didn't plan for him to be a pope. Jesus contrasted Peter's name, a stone, with himself as the rock. And so Jesus built his church upon himself upon Jesus Christ, not upon the apostle Peter. 1 Corinthians 3.11, for other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. God had a plan for Peter. What if Andrew had never told his brother about the Lord? Hmm? Two more disciples are introduced in verse 43. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip. This idea of, of the word found in the, the, for the Hebrew word there means found without seeking, to kind of light upon. He, he kind of ran into him. Another one of those incidences, coincidences? I think not. God incidences? Absolutely. He found him, light upon him, said, come follow me. And again, follow meaning discipleship. So Philip was from Bethsaida. Bethsaida, Andrew and Peter's hometown. Philip went to look for Nathaniel. See how this works? Andrew goes find Peter, then Jesus finds Philip. Philip goes and, and finds Nathaniel and told him, we have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about, the one who fulfills all the entire uh, Old Testament prof prophetical writings. We have found him. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. And the witnessing continues. You know what I want for First Baptist Church? For us to be a witnessing church. That lighthouse in the back, Ron, I don't know if you noticed that lighthouse in the back. Do you remember that? Did, did we, that was at my other church I, for I don't know how many years, for decades. On one wall was the lighthouse. Another wall was a map of the world in oak, just exactly like that, only when I came in here, I almost fell over. I, I walked in. I'd never been to this church before. Didn't even know this church existed. When they said, you want to be an interim pastor, I said, sure. I said, where's the church? I said, it's in Coronado. I, I know what that is. It's on First Avenue. Wrong one. Wasn't it? I came in here, walked down here, talked to Rachel, who was standing around here somewhere. Uh, I hadn't met her yet, so I, I talked to her, turned around, and I almost fell over when I saw that lighthouse, identical to the one we had. Found out, unbeknownst to me, they had contacted the man in our church, other church, who made the lighthouse and, and hired him to make one exactly like it. And that was another one of those coincidences. Last Tuesday night, Neil Dyer was here and spoke to the navigators. Neil was, if you've seen the picture of me baptizing some six foot, 25 inch uh, seal, Master Chief seal, all tatted up and branded. And like, uh, if you've seen that picture, he was here. 
he came as an unbeliever, he said, as an atheist, he said, in May for his daughter's dedication. His wife, I had dedicated to the Lord at Midway. She didn't know I was here. I didn't know she was coming. Uh, and another one of those coincidences. Got to baptize him in the Pacific uh, on July, I think it was July the 4th. Got to baptize him. You know what? It's just amazing. I want us to be a that lighthouse represents the lighthouse. So can we have over at Point Loma? Used to I don't know if it's still used. I'm not even sure about that. But uh, but lighthouses. I know the one down at the, probably at the foot of the bluffs is is active. Uh, lighthouses shine to show there's danger ahead. Show the shore there. Don't 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 come closer here. And, and so we need to let people know there's danger in not trusting Christ as our personal savior. We don't know when our last day is. We have no idea. Was it last Sunday? Was it last Sunday that there was another, unfortunately, a jumper at the bridge? 23 years old, his life is over. This life is over. Never a chance. I don't know how, I don't care how, many, how many masses you have. You can't, you can't make a decision for somebody who didn't make that decision. I hope he's a Christian. I really hope. You say, well, you can't commit suicide and be a Christian. It says who? The Bible doesn't say that. There's one unforgivable sin. That unforgivable sin is rejection of Jesus Christ as God and the Son of God. That's the only one. That's not to encourage you to go do something to hurt yourself. Don't, because it's still against God's word. But there's only one unforgivable sin. We need to be a lighthouse in a dark world, a beacon of light guiding people to safe harbor. So Philip testified to Nathaniel. I like this. And Nathaniel says, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? What are you talking about? Jesus from Nazareth? Are you kidding me? Maybe, maybe Nazareth had a bad reputation. I grew up south of Chicago. Anybody know the name Cicero? In the 50s, probably in the 40s too, but I wasn't aware of that. But in the 50s and 60s, I was aware of Cicero. Had a, had a really bad. I lived in East Chicago Heights. I lived in East Chicago Heights. We lived above a tavern. East Heights, if you don't know, it was like, back then it was pretty, pretty dangerous. I didn't know it. I was just a kid. And I was out playing with some kids in the front yard. And my dad, I, I said, let's all us Mexicans go into the backyard. And so my dad called me up and said, Jimmy, you're not Mexican. I thought, well, I must be black. It's the only kids I played with were Mexicans and blacks because that's all we had in East Chicago Heights. Gary, Indiana. Anybody know that reputation? You, from, you know that reputation. Gary, Indiana, was the, for a long time, was the killing capital of the world. Maybe now Chicago's beat them out. I'm not sure. So I don't know if it had that kind of a bad reputation or what? Can any good thing come out? Are you kidding me? Nazareth? Perhaps this shows village rivalry of some kind, or maybe it was snobbery. Not something you'd ever find in Coronado. <laughs> but Philip has an answer for him. Nazareth, exclaimed Nathaniel. Can any good thing come from Nazareth? Come and see for yourself, Philip said. Come and see for yourself. Not only were those words a challenge to Nathaniel, they were an invitation to Nathaniel. 
come and see for yourself. Come and see. You don't want to, you want to know if Jesus is for real? Come and see. Get in, get in his word. Read about him. Read what he says. Read what others say about him. Get to know this Jesus. Come and see. The omniscient Jesus, they, as they approached, Jesus said now, as Nathaniel and Philip are approaching him, Jesus says some peculiar words, I think. Now, there is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity, a man in whom was no guile and no deceit, according to the King James translation, King James Version. Nathaniel may have been very blunt in his criticism of Nazareth, but he was an Israelite without duplicitous motives who was willing to examine for himself the claims being made about Jesus because he did, in fact, come back with Philip to see who Jesus was. How do you know about me? How do you know I'm not full of deceit? How do you know that? And Jesus replies, I saw you when you were under the fig tree before Philip found you. And it's, you know that little emoji where the guy's got big eyes and top of his head blows off? <laughs> that was Nathaniel. He's like, he not only knew where Nathaniel was from, he knew his heart, his character, his condition. He knew about him literally and figuratively. And Jesus knows all about us. And this ought to be an encouragement. Jesus, if you're saved, he saved you in spite of all your mess-ups. In spite of all my mess-ups. In spite of all my heinous sins. He saved me anyhow. Washed me, cleansed me, made me a new creature in Christ. And here's Nathaniel. I saw you when you were under the fig tree. Nathaniel's like, what in the world? Jesus knows your deepest secrets, things we don't want anybody else to know. And despite that, he loves us and he seeks after us. Nathaniel then, in going a little deeper here, and I'm going to have to wind it up, but he said, Rabbi? You are the son of God, the king of Israel. So all of a sudden, his tune changes a little bit now. Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? To Rabbi, term of respect, you are the king of Israel. So now the thing is far more respectful than he was at first. His whole demeanor and tone changed. And Jesus asked him, do you believe this just because I told you you were under the fig tree? Is that why you're so impressed now? Just because I told you I was under the fig, you were under the fig tree? You will see greater things than this. And he said, I'll tell you the truth. Verily, verily, in King James Version, you will see the heavens opened and the angels of God going up and down on the Son of Man, the one who is the stairway between heaven and the earth. And be honest with me. You've read this before. And if you're anything like I am, you read that and you go like, what? It reminds me of Jacob. Because Jacob, remember Jacob's ladder that we are climbing? No, that's, that's the itsy bitsy spider. Never mind. We're, my spider was a little schizophrenic there. He's not sure what he's. Uh, so Jacob saw this ladder, actually, literally a stairway into heaven, and angels ascending and descending. I, 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 don't, I don't know why. I get this picture of escalators with angels. Oh. 
coming down, they're going up, and they're going down. And, and it shows, perhaps it's referring to the activity of angels, I don't know. But then Nathaniel gets this same promise, you're going to see heaven open and the angels of God going up and down. Uh, what is the deal with the angels? Uh, it, it, this, that Jesus is the stairway to heaven, folks. That Jesus is the way to heaven. And the staircase maybe is in the shape of a cross. And it's because of the cross that we can go to heaven. It's because of the cross he sends people down to minister to us. And, 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 and Jacob was the one. Remember Jacob's name? You remember what it means? Deceiver. I'd just like to be, uh, I'd just like to be named, you know, you're Hebrew. And you dece- hey, deceiver. Hey, deceiver. Come on, come on in. It's time to eat dinner. Come on, deceiver. That's like, uh, you know, naming your kid Nutcase or something like that. Or, I, we, used to have, we used to have a family at church. There. Again, they were the end of the hippie thing there or whatever. They were involved in that. And they named their car Box, their kid Boxcar. Boxcar? So names have meanings. Now, I don't know. I don't know the significance of boxcar, but I, I looked up my name. So, so Jimmy, my, my name is actually Jimmy, J-I-M-M-I-E, not a Y, came from Jacob, which means deceiver. Yeah, wonderful. <laughs> then Wayne comes from Wagoner, someone who works on wagons, and Bays is the green woolly cloth on a poker table. The deceiver who works on wagons and is the cloth on a, on a poker dad. What a great, thanks, Mom. Thanks, Dad. What a great name. But Jacob sees this vision of angels up and down. Jacob wrestles with a being. It says a man. This man was probably the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ, a theophany. And he wrestled with him and wrestled with him and wrestled with him till daybreak. And, and this, this theophany person says, let me go. And Jacob says, I will not let you go until you change me, until you bless me. He blesses him. He has a limp from that time forward. But he, blesses, he changed his name from Jacob, deceiver, to Israel, prince with God. Did that happen for you? Did that happen for you? Were you changed from a deceiver, a liar, a drug addict, a hateful person into a work of art that belonged to God? So much more. We just don't have time to go in. Four more pages. Do you have a vision of what God has for you to do. You again, come on, young sailors, listen to me. You got your whole, pretty much your whole life ahead of you. If God's calling you, if God has a plan for you to be a missionary, to be a pastor, to be in full-time ministry somehow, a Christian teacher in school says, if God has a plan for you, it's going to be the best thing you could possibly ever do. Be willing to do what he wants you to do. Are you, are, you going to, are you willing to wrestle with him about it? You want to know if it's for real? Would you come and see if he's for real? What if it costs you dearly? Hey, Jacob, so you got a limp there. 
Yeah. What happened? I was wrestling with God. He touched my thigh and it went out of joint. Never been quite the same, but I wouldn't trade it for anything. Serving God is where it's at, folks. That's the meaning to life. It's the meaning to our purpose for being here. Nathaniel witnessed the supernatural pronouncement by Jesus, but Jesus says, you're going to see far more than what you've already seen. My question to you is, have you seen what God has in store for you? Are you willing to submit to him no matter the price? Would you bow your heads, please? For a moment, try not to think about what's going to happen later on. Try not to just remove from your mind any distractions and think about, do you know Christ? Do you know that you know him? Are you certain that if you passed away this afternoon, you'd be in heaven tonight? If you're not sure, we'd love for you to make certain of that today. If you're sure you wouldn't make it, then I've got some good news for you. Today can be the most important day of your life so far, and it can be the day when you put your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Master and Savior. You say, well, how do I do that, preacher? You pray, and you mean it sincerely. What do you pray? You say this to God, and this is exactly what you should say right now. You don't have to say it out loud. You can if you want to. It's not going to embarrass me. But here's what you need to say. Dear God, I know that I'm a worthless sinner. I know I fall so far short of what you want me to be. I've done my own thing for far too long. I believe that Jesus Christ is your son, your only begotten son. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. I believe he was buried and rose again after three days like he said he would. And I believe your word that says, if whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So right now, God, as best I know how, sincere as I know how to be, please forgive me of my sins, all of them, and my sin nature, and be my Savior, and be my God. I trust you right now. With every head still bowed, if you just prayed that prayer just now, Every head still bowed, just raise your hand up real high. Preacher, I just prayed that prayer. God bless you. God bless you. Are there others besides this? Hand up high for just a moment. I won't embarrass you. Yes. Our Father, we thank you for loving us and blessing us in amazing ways. God, we pray that you would help every one of us figure out what our purpose is. And one of those purposes is to let people know about you. So God, in a few moments, send us out of this place to our families and to our friends, to our co-workers, telling them about the name that's above every name. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand for just a moment as you stand together. If God's speaking to your heart, there's some kind of a commitment, some kind of a decision you'd like to make. If you want to pray, if you want someone to pray with you, if you'll come ahead right now, 
in the in the invitation as they play. We're gonna we're gonna play a verse or maybe two, not very long because we're gonna baptize in just a moment. So come ahead right now as the praise team leads us. for just another few moments today. Uh, right after this service, of course, we'll have the military meal on the patio area. If you're uh, active military, you're invited, you and your family, to a free lunch. We'd love to have you stick around for that. Going to baptize in just a moment, and I'm excited about that. Tomorrow night, once a month, they have what they call Men's Connection at 711A Avenue, 711A Avenue at 6 p.m. They usually have uh, some food there also, so you are invited uh, to attend that if you would like to at 6 p.m. tomorrow night. Next Sunday, you're going to hear something some of you have never heard in your life. Some of you are going to be mad at me. It's okay. You've been mad before. You'll be mad again. Uh, turning water into wine. That's next Sunday morning. Now, if that doesn't scare you, the title, then I want you to come uh, just because we're having a potluck dinner. But it dawned on me Potluck doesn't sound like a good thing right now. We better, we better call it dinner on the grounds because potluck sounds a little, I don't know what. So for the, for the dinner on the grounds, if you haven't yet signed up bringing something, if you would uh, sign this up, we're going to, right after services, we'll, uh, along with the military, we'll get together for lunch. We'll have a great time. Paul, would you come just right now? I've got something for you, my friend. This is Paul Paul. This certifies that tall Paul Lull was baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, March the 5th. God bless you, my friend. It's my privilege and honor to do so. Thank you.
Is Catherine Sargent here today? I haven't seen her. Is she here? No. Okay. Uh, also want to mention that we're going to have a spring cleanup for Easter on Saturday before Easter, April the 8th from 9 till noon. Won't be a long time. Want to do a deep clean. Just make sure everything's in good shape for the guests that we'll have. Easter, two services, 830 and 1015. There'll be an overflow area on the patio, both services. So what I'm envisioning and hoping for is that by having two services, we'll be able to get uh, everybody in. But if it fills up one service or the other, and you are uh, willing to, if you'll go out to the patio, we'll have monitor sound out there, and, and then let a visitor have your seat, then that would be very, very uh, appreciated. New member class and luncheon, April the 16th. If you want to attend that, please fill out one of those uh, Connect cards or give Julia a call and put your names down for the new member class, April the 16th. And we're going to start having a men's discipleship group here on Wednesday nights called Men of Resolution. Um, I can't remember the name of the film. Does anybody remember that name? Courageous. Courageous. The film, the Christian film, Courageous. It's based on that, where if you saw that, uh, at the end of the film, uh, toward the end of it, these, uh, these men took these, these resolutions seriously of the kind of men they want to be for God, the kind of dads, the kind of husbands, the kind of men. Uh, so if you're interested in that, you need to sign up also. We're going to have the kickoff uh, April the 12th. Uh, April the 12th, we'll have the film and have a meal here for you. Since it's going to be for men, I'm thinking about having something called a beast feast and, uh, you know, get something really wild, uh, some wild boar or uh, elk or, I don't know, maybe enchiladas, something wild, and uh, we'll have a good time. That'll be April the 12th. If you're in, You can come to the movie even if you don't sign up to be in the discipleship, but we'd love to have you sign up for that if God would so move. It'll be on Wednesday nights, and I don't remember the exact time. I'll tell you later on. All right, do we have Sienna Griffith to follow her Lord and Believer's baptism right now? Sienna, come on in here. Step right there. And turn around. Now, Sienna got saved at my other church, at Midway Baptist Church, back about, I don't know, what, 100 years ago? <laughs> How long ago was it, maybe? I, I was in the sixth grade. <laughs> sixth grade. So she's made a decision to commit her life to the Lord Jesus Christ and to let people know that she's a believer. And that's part of her testimony. Yeah. When you got saved, when you got baptized, when you surrendered whatever you surrendered to, your, to the Lord. Uh, and so, Sienna, I'm so thrilled and, and honored to be able to baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, buried in the likeness of his death and raised again in the likeness of his glorious resurrection. Amen. God bless you. All right. All right, so anytime you get under conviction about getting baptized, uh, let me know, and we'll, we'll have the heater on. It's actually pretty warm, so that's kind of like when we put a baptistry in the new church, Ron, uh, that we built back in Midway, uh, the contractors thought it was a pastor's jacuzzi. <laughs> Not a bad idea. Let's stand. Let's stand. We'll be dismissed in prayer. Ryan, would you dismiss us in a word of prayer, please, my friend?
Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being in God's house today.